why do we know all this in a children's show? Why do we need the 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 puppet man to have a dead wife? <laughs> He's a veteran? He was in a war. With a yeah, he was in a war and his wife is dead? Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And we are talking about the movies that made us this week. Movies and honestly, other entertainment. I, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of movies on deck, to tell you the truth, that um, got us interested in horror or mystery as a genre when we were younger. And it's clearly a love that just kind of snowballed as we've gotten older until we talk about this kind of stuff every single week for the past three years. Yeah, it is kind of funny. It took us a long time to realize that this is what we wanted to do. <laughs> like literally every single week, sit down and talk about horror. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. We, we It took a while to narrow it down, but we got there. I guess we theoretically were doing it anyway, to a certain extent, by watching horror all the time and stuff like that. But We were doing it in our personal lives, but part of what we're referencing is that we did have a podcast between uh, before this one called Book Club Schmook Club, where we, uh, we talked about books, unsurprisingly. Yeah. And we covered mostly horror books until we got to the point where we were like, why don't we just only talk about horror stuff from now on and have a show that's specifically about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we're going to talk now this week about, um, you know, I, I, actually, I, maybe I should get this out of the way because obviously here on Guide to the Unknown, we've spoken a lot about Scream, a lot about, you know, uh, Blair Witch. We're going to avoid talking about some of the big guns and go to maybe some of the not necessarily more obscure, but lesser mm-hmm. discussed by us things that got us into horror to begin with. And maybe these are the things that infected our minds or something like that. Um, I'm not sure. We've each compiled a list of uh, things of our own. And I'm really curious to see what's on yours and if I personally remember them or anything like that. Yeah. Well, one of them I think you are going to remember because I know it's something that you were also into. Okay. This is not a movie. This is a book called The Stinky Cheese Man and Other Fairly Stupid Tales. I do remember this, but I don't remember... I remember the name. I bet I bet you're about to say a bunch of things, each of which sort of uh, uh, awaken my memory. I'm sure that they will. So why don't I read you the description from Amazon? Um, this is a book by John Siska um, and Lane Smith. It has like... Kind of creepy, weird illustrations. They're all like a little bit dark. I'm pretty sure that I got it from, you know, like, remember like the Scholastic Book Fair? And then I'm sure that there were book fairs that were maybe not non-denominational, but you know what I mean? Like not from a specific um, publishing company that would come to your school and you could pick out books to get. And it was like a whole thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like Randy's Book Cage. And it was just a guy on a motorcycle with a dragging a steel cage. <laughs> Come on out, kids. I wrote all these books. And I want you to hit them. <laughs> Put them into your heads. What? <laughs> <laughs> the second you said, not like an officially sanctioned <laughs> like book fair. It's like everyone, children, children hide. <laughs> the, 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 the man with the book cage is back. You can tell by the well, screeching metal on the asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking that, like, maybe not all the books that we ever got were from Scholastic. Oh. So maybe they were from a different company or a book fair thing that is not just married to one publishing house. That's not necessarily Randy with a bicycle. <laughs> not necessarily a lunatic who wrote all of his own books to infect kids' minds with. Because that's definitely, obviously, that's where I went with it. I, I'd be interested, though. I thought it was like a to meet Randy, not like a penguin random house, you know, van. No, <laughs> random guy. Oh God! All right, so here's what I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you the Amazon.com official editorial review okay. of the Stinky Cheese Man. This is what they say: If geese had graves, Mother Goose would be rolling in hers. The Stinky Cheese Man and other fairly stupid tales retells and wreaks havoc on the allegories we all thought we knew by heart. And these are reverent variations on well-known themes. The ugly ugly duckling grows up to be an ugly duck, and the princess who kisses the frog wins only a mouthful of amphibian slime. 
The Stinky Cheese Man deconstructs not only the tradition of the fairy tale, but also the entire notion of a book. Our naughty narrator, Jack, makes a mockery of the title page, the table of contents, and even the end here by shuffling, scoffing, and generally paying no mind to structure. Characters slide in and out of tales, Cinderella rebuffs Rumpelstiltskin, and the giant at the top of the beanstalk snacks on the little red head. Oh. There are no lessons to be learned or morals to take heart. Or to take to heart. Just good, sarcastic fun that smart Alex of all ages will love. Like wow. little Kristen and little William. I'll tell you what. I just Googled it, and man, you're right. This is like a memory bomb. Yes. The stinky cheese I, So it's like, it's not horror per se. I guess you could say that it's maybe horror for children. Because it's creepy. The uh, The illustrations are like strange and kind of dark and like, a child's version of perverse. I'm not saying this is like the craziest book in the world or anything, but it was like weird subversion for kids. Oh yeah. And I remember being creeped out by it a little bit, but also very into how creeped out I was. So I feel like this is part of my origin story. Yeah. Even looking at some of the art, there's like a cow whose eyes are bugging out of its head and its jaw is falling open down to the ground. Like it looks, mm-hmm. it's made to look deranged. Like it's yes. like severely ill or ravenously hungry in a dangerous way. You're so right. I completely forgot. All yeah. About this. this is like a suppressed memory. Yeah, absolutely. It's a weird, weird book. And like, I don't know. A lot of the things I thought of were books. I read a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, I, I read some some kind of strange stuff that really sticks out as if we're putting aside, as you said, the things that we've talked about a ton on the show before, like movies like Scream and the Blair Witch Project that we got into when we were young and even Unsolved Mysteries. Like what is left besides those iconic things are generally weirdo books. Yeah. Just like off the wall oddities. Yes. Um, I just checked and it is indeed the case. So you called out the stinky cheese man and other Fairly Stupid Tales by John Ziska. Yeah. John Ziska is also the mind behind the true story of the three little pigs. Yes. That is also on my list. It, I, this book, Kristen, this one, I, you know, the stinky cheese man. Um, I looked at the cover of it and I looked at some of the artwork, the cover in particular, I remember seeing in our house, but I don't think I picked it up and read it much myself. It's the cover of the stinky cheese man almost looks like a chicken soup for the soul type of, you know, literally the format of the cover. And probably when I was that young around 92, I couldn't read the title and didn't like know to like really dive into it or something like that. But the true story of the three little pigs uh, looked like a comic book or something, and I definitely remember picking it up, and it freaking me out. Yeah, it's it's really weird. So the true story of the Three Little Pigs, I may as well say, because it was also on my list, is the story told from the perspective of the wolf who huffed and puffed and blew the house down. So the same artist who did the Stinky Cheese Man and other, and other fairly stupid tales also came back to do the true story of the Three Little Pigs. So it's similarly dark and moody and deranged looking i believe is how you described the stinky cheese man and i thought it was so awesome and so like unnerving like the bad guy is the good guy here right we're meant to sympathize with the big bad wolf who i remember in this version of the telling he's sort of like remembering the tale and being like, yes. but it's not the way that it didn't go down the way you think it went down. Yeah, and he's an old man wearing like little glasses. Yeah, that's right. And he's, he's saying that, you know, every time that he blew in a little pig's house, it was a huge misunderstanding, big mistake. And anytime he ate them, well, they were already dead. So mm-hmm. it didn't really matter. So yeah, I ate them, which that notion in and of itself to my child brain was pretty mind blowing. Like, Oh, he's dead anyway. So I may as well eat him. What a yes, sick... even even talking about something yeah. being dead and eating it in a book for children is unusual, let's say. Yes, I remember there was a particular page where, um, I don't remember if it was the, the pig whose house is made of hay, sticks, or bricks, whatever, but like his little pig butt, his little pig ass is sticking out from the, rub, <laughs> the rubble 
of his house. And the artwork was drawn to make his butt look like plump and juicy and shiny. Yeah. And and the, oh the big bad wolf is like eyeing it up. And it's his real justification of like, yeah. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. eat him. I did eat him, but there was a good reason. And I like just like ew, like the idea of doing something that is, we all agree, it's wrong for him to eat that pig, right? Correct. The idea of the moral justification of it was sicker than the act itself, and the <laughs> I, even the idea of him interacting with a dead body. When I was a kid, I was really freaked out by the idea of of depicting the dead. Like I remember mm-hmm. the first time I ever saw a photograph of a dead body, I was like, I, oh, I didn't even think it was, I thought it was illegal to take a picture of a dead body. Yeah, like, right. That's, to a child's mind, it seems like the absolute most abhorrent thing that you could do to recreate the image of yeah. somebody who's dead. And I was always freaked out by that. And, and I felt some of that in the the true story of the three little pigs, like just like a perverse, yes. perverse quality to depicting a pig's dead body and a wolf about to eat it and justify it. It completely is. It's so weird that this is a children's book that was like out and about that I got from a book fair at school. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, as like an elementary school age person, it's so strange. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was freaked out by it, but intrigued. And I read it over and over and over again. You're a thousand percent right. Th- this in particular, Stinky Cheese Man, I think I'm going to look up. And I'm also mm-hmm. very curious to see if either of these books organically enters into my child's life. Um, I won't, I won't force the matter. I'm curious to I see if wonder. they're still in rotation, you know, I let's see what, let me look and see what the most recent review is for the true story of the three little pigs. Is it just going to be people smashing the a button? Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, my child. there's, there's one from today. Then there was one from two days ago. Before that, there was one from about a week before that. Okay. So it's it's happening. It's, it's out still there. out there. It's making the scene. All right. Fair enough. But like, so. I, I I certainly over the course of years, I have periodically Googled the true story of the three little pigs to try mm. to like confront an image that I remember very vividly from my childhood. I did not consider it for my list, but man, you are so right confront your demons all right so what do you have um i have there's not much that i have to say about this one but i do want to call it out because it's a very early memory for me very early memory um kristen and i grew up in a a teeny tiny town in connecticut called redding redding connecticut and in our house we had what we referred we referred to our living room as the great room I think that this is a term that a lot of people use, but I've never, ever heard it again outside of the context of the house we grew up in. So in the great room, we had a TV, and our dad was always obsessed with, like, new technology. And I I think the first video game system I ever saw, possibly even before, the NES, the Nintendo NES, dad got a the original Sega system, the Sega... Master System, it was called. And the only game we had, I think, was Ghostbusters. And Uh, I distinctly remember trying to figure out how to play that thing on the TV. I don't remember this at all. Really? All right, then that's very exciting. I... um, I'm going to see if I can show it to you. I don't know. If you look at the video version of this show, presumably people will be able to see this. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I I wouldn't swear to it. Um, The game map for this uh, game was just a top-down view of a city. You could see city blocks. And you would drive the Ghostbusters, not car, but the Ghostbusters logo up and down these streets, almost like a game of Pac-Man. You think about Mm -hmm. Pac-Man going up and down these like columns and rows. And uh, the game was uh, impossible to play, completely impossible to play. It was way too hard. I, as a matter of fact, think that the Sega Master System even required you to like swipe a card for it to start up or something stupid like that. And then we lost the card. I just like bafflingly early video game design things. Um, And so I remember continually trying to fire this thing up. And then at a certain point, dad just dumped the Sega Master System in the basement somewhere. And I would still periodically try to get it working. Um, But like the idea of it being a ghost game, I remember being really exciting and weird. I guess somehow in my young child mind, we only lived there until 96 when I was 10 and you were 13. Mm-hmm. But like somewhere in that era, we had this thing. What's that? 
We moved in 97. 97? Okay. Well, this game came out in 1984, so Dad probably got this stuff for you. And then maybe he tried to fire it up for me or something like that. And it didn't take, but, um, uh, it has become something of like a legend in, um, video gaming, albeit obscure. It was, uh, sort of dumped out and poorly made. And, um, there's even like a notorious, (laughs) a notoriously bad message at the end of the game. When you beat the game, if you can beat it, I never did, but if you beat the game, there's a final screen that says, Congratulation. You you have completed a great game and proved the justice of our culture. Now go and rest our heroes. So Oh my god. So not scary <laughs> per se, but certainly like the effort of trying to get into Ghostbusters young. Sure. And failing is is up there for me. That's cr- William, you could have shown me I have I can't believe that that was in our home. Yeah. I have absolutely zero memory of that. I feel like I have never seen that screen before. <laughs> I had no idea that something called a mega a Sega mega system or whatever even existed, yeah. let alone that we had one. Maybe this it is was crazy to me. Maybe it was just something that dad and I tried to figure out then and both failed at. Uh, what the hell? Why w- couldn't I play? It was like incomprehensible. It was it was so terrible. Uh, but I I saw the little ghost moving around on the screen because you you seriously like one of the player icons for a lot of the game is you move the Ghostbusters logo. Mm-hmm. It's how poorly the game is made. It's not even a character. It's the logo. It's the right. ghost with the red nose symbol around it already. You move that around, and I remember being like really weirded out by this thing where it's, uh, to me it was just a ghost moving on a screen. I didn't understand what the hell I was looking at. What happens in this game beyond that? Nothing much. I think that you, uh, when you arrive at places, then you battle the ghosts, and it does sort of look like Pac-Man still. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think there are some side-scrolling kind of elements, but it's all like very rudimentary, like very, very, very early video video games. Huh. This is most curious. I never knew. Yeah. There's uh, actually an Easter egg for it in the recent Ghostbusters video game that was written by Dan Aykroyd um, and and voiced by everybody, including Bill Murray. It's effectively a third Ghostbusters movie, this video game that Mm -hmm. came out. In the firehouse, if you walk around, you can see a computer screen and on the monitor, it says, um, (laughs) it says, congratulation. You have completed a great game and proved the justice of our culture. <laughs> so that's really fun. Like a little throwback thing, which is fun. But yeah, no, it's like a, a sort of forgotten gem, except that it still plays in my subconscious. This ghost <laughs> sliding around a city map on a screen. I don't know. Nothing <laughs> I can awesome. nothing I can do about it now. No, it's in there. Yeah. All right. I now want to talk about. I'm glad you brought up Brendan Connecticut William because. I want to talk about our proximity to New York City affecting our enjoyment of scary things in three acts. Interesting. Okay. Okay. We went to some Broadway shows Mm -hmm. that were weird. Actually, you didn't go to either one of these things with me that I'm about to say. Um, I went with my parents when I was like six and Will was three, I guess, to see the play Into the Woods. Oh, man. A retell, I guess I was very into retellings of fairy tales or something. But with quirky um, alterations. Certainly. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a retelling of fairy tales. They all kind of live and exist in the same world and they intersect and they affect each other's stories and this whole thing. And it's scary for a kid. Yeah. And I was a fan of it because they used to play it on PBS all the time. Like the, the televised version of the Broadway play. So I like I was into it because I guess mom and dad had PBS on and then they took me to see it and I vaguely remember it like I was like the only kid there because it's like pretty much a play for grownups. Yeah. Um, Something that our mom has <laughs> run into. It worked out for us, but I know that she regards it as a spot of bother is assuming certain things are for kids because there's like a, an overlying theme that, yes, would be for a child. Fairy tales are this broadly is made for, for children. Right. Right. Um, this was also a problem with the movie Batman 1989, <laughs> which you and I were obsessed with. Oh, yeah. And watched a million times. 
and probably too young. And there was uh, a time, I guess a couple of years ago, where we watched it with our mom and dad. And our mom was aghast that she had let us watch it because the movie was so scary. It's, and she thought it was Batman. So it's like for kids. Right. It was also a different era. The the 80s it and totally 90s. It totally was. It was not a very um, kid-friendly meant something different at the time. Yeah, I think that's true. So anyway, so they took me to see Into the Woods in the theater, um, like on Broadway, and it was super awesome. It was super scary. I remember being scared by, um, so even when you're watching it on TV, there is this looming threat of the giant Mm. who could come through the town that all the fairy tale people live in and like crush everybody. And they need to defeat the giant and like kill it or something. And what they do in the play on Broadway is have this giant, like, straw effigy, basically, of a giant crash down on the stage. And it's like, it's a scary, it's meant to be scary. It's like a scary part in the play. And it scared me watching it on TV. And it totally scared me watching it in the theater. But I also loved it. I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Oh, my God, what's happening? It it didn't look right. No, it looked really weird. It's seriously just like straw bundled into a vague shape of like a head and shoulders it it was what a bizarre choice to represent even if it's a giant it's supposed to be human shaped i agree it's very strange i don't know also you know like it's supposed to be a play on fairy tales why not have like a giant clearly 2d illustrated thing like painted thing come down right and then that's kind of referencing like an illustration from fairy tales or make like a giant shoe that's supposed to have the foot yeah. still so that you're, you're seeing like a man-made thing. And so the fact right. that it's man-made makes visual sense, but like we had this on Laserdisc, and, and I watched it a lot there and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the giant just always struck me as like something wrong with it. <laughs> like that's not a person that's not human. That's not alive. No. I don't, and they're telling me it was, I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's, it has, it has, it's very unnerving. I guess it's, it's beyond the uncanny valley because it looks nothing like a person, but yeah. you know that it's supposed to kind of be one and it comes down. It is huge. Yeah. I will say Oh yeah. it's huge. And it comes down with this like loud thump mm-hmm. and it's pretty scary for a six year old. There are a lot of cracking branches in that moment as well. I think, I think yes, in, into the woods overall, a lot of like snapping tree limbs and the things that certainly color my enjoy. Like I, when I was first hired by Hunter Killer and they wanted me to make an audio drama, I just started writing down the sounds of things that scare me. And number one was breaking limbs, breaking tree limbs and things like that. And that eventually became Blackwood, like the entire idea of Blackwood. Obviously there's Blair Witch going on in there a lot, but like the central idea that brought me there was the woods are scary. The sounds mm-hmm. of the woods are scary. And mm-hmm. Into the Woods certainly had that. Do you have anything else from Into the Woods that scared you? Because I do. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I think we should mention that we had like a ton of woods behind our house. True. So we had a very personal perspective on being scared of woods. Yeah. Um, if you looked out of any of the, you know, like back windows of the house, it was just woods. And it was completely awesome. I know Will and I both loved it. It was also like a little bit scary and that's oh, probably sure. partially why we loved it oh big time yeah there, there's... And if you drove on any road in our town there was just woods on either side it was like very it's not literally rural but like i don't know what you call i don't know what you call it it was pretty it was pretty you know it was i guess it was suburban i guess it was technically suburban but it's very very woodsy yeah it, it took us like 10 15 minutes to drive to the nearest store Oh, yeah. Everybody lived on a few acres of land. So Mm -hmm. the nearest neighbor wasn't, you know, you would you'd you'd certainly walk there, but it's not as if they were like, you know, my nearest neighbor here is what, like 30 feet away from me right now. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. nah, no way. You could fit like two more houses between each house where we grew up. Like there was Mm -hmm. a lot of space. Yeah, definitely. Very remote. Definitely. So. So, yeah, we were, you know, we had kind of a, a personal scary thing with Woods. So I think that probably colored it a little bit. I like yeah. the idea that they were like walking through woods and stuff. The um the big bad wolf was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like a like a sexual predator sort of like allegory. I don't know if allegory is the right word. Oh yeah, but um that was unnerving as oh, yeah. a little girl with danglers attached. Yes, he had an anatomical man's penis yeah. in the play, <laughs> and um mom and I guess dad probably too. 
were trying to distract me from when he was on stage. So I would look at it. We yeah. had gotten a pretzel um, that I guess they snuck into the theater. I bet. Do you they rip off a part of the pretzel it. and just hold it up right in front of the crotch? <laughs> <laughs> Pretzely protrusion. It is not not shaped. <laughs> no, not All they had were pretzel no. sticks. Oh no! What are we gonna do? They have pretzel sticks and hot dogs, and they only sell meatballs in twos. (laughs) They're selling meatballs in the lobby of whatever this one. Yeah, that theater was a sick place, sicko's paradise. Well, well it was. Let's get there because so the pretzel thing was that mom all of a sudden started being like, Chris, Chris, why don't you have some of this pretzel and like handing it to me like all low, like so I'd have to like crouch down and eat it, like feeding a squirrel. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, I don't want the pretzel. I'm just like watching the play as because she was trying to like not let me see this penis on stage. Then during the intermission, and I told this story wrong forever. I'm going to tell the wrong version. Then I'll tell the right version. I remembered, I think just because I had heard this story and then perverted it in my own mind to something more dramatic when I was younger, like something happened to me. I used to tell people that we went outside for intermission and a man flashed me. Oh. And so I saw a penis anyway that mom was trying to have me yeah. avoid seeing it on stage. But then we went outside and there was one right there. I remember this. Not true, although kind of true. We did go outside and I did see a penis because there was a man peeing on the sidewalk. Okay. And I fully saw it. And mom was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like we just spent all this time having not seen on stage and i said how come he gets to go to the bathroom outside he gets to go to the bathroom outside you said that <laughs> i guess so that's what mom says and, and mom's never like yeah. <laughs> the, the most important words in that question are gets to yes i think i'm correct in remembering that because i think that was also my reaction it was like i was jealous and they were like i don't know and so they just kind of tried to like usher me away. Wow. <laughs> so, that was scary in a different way. Yeah. Trying to hide the wiener, I feel, is is potentially more troublesome than just being like, yeah, it's a, it's an animal. I agree. I agree. Although, I mean. I guess we'll, we'll see adult, what happens with, it's with, like, when, it's I take not my, like an, when I take oh, my no, kid to a Broadway show. I guess <laughs> we'll see what I do. It's not like an animal wiener, though. Like they have like a man's testicles and penis on the wall. Oh, yeah. They're they're putting a bit too fine a point on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like it's yeah. I already, you know, I, you're supposed to get tickets for shows way in advance, so yeah. hopefully I got some some good ones. A- am I pronouncing this right? Equus. Yes, yes. Yeah. She will love that. Make okay. sure you get some pretzels in the lobby though before you go in. <laughs> um, that's for all you theater dorks out there. I think that one won't reach the the mainstream, right? ish i think so right. yeah I, I wouldn't call myself a current theater dork and i know about equus so okay. there there are other things in uh um into the woods that freaked me out N- not mm-hmm. things that i put on my list but once you bring it up it's like yeah. oh man i remember the unease i felt I'll, i it's funny even saying this now this is the second time that i'm bringing up something that like the characterizing factor of it is not necessarily that it itself was scary, but the unease it provoked in me. Um, yeah. There's a moment in Into the Woods where Jack of Jack and the Beanstalk, his mother is causing a scene. I know say. exactly what you're talking about. And a royal guard or something or some like foppish yes. man with a cane tries to shut her up. And nothing he's doing to tell her to like keep it down is working. And out of frustration, almost like he loses complete control, he wraps her on the top of the head with his cane, and she freezes in place with a like this frozen, haunted look on her face. I hated it. And a trickle of blood starts to move down her forehead, and the rest of her acting is with her arms waving as she says goodbye to Jack and screams out and she's acting almost like she's lost her vision mm-hmm. and falls over and she dies. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think the, f- the first introduction to young Will Rogers of neurological damage and how fragile everyone is. I, I did yeah. not like the implication that this, uh, uh, royal ridiculous man with his cane lost control Uh i find that to be alarming in and of itself that you can do something that you can't take back and it's like something 
you you didn't consider the ramifications of what should have been a, a small action, just a bop yep. on the head. But oh my god, I hit her in the exact right spot that turned her into like a a person on the way to dying, not dead yes. yet, but she's already a goner. Except she can still talk, but her body isn't working right anymore. Like that mm-hmm. is such a a it's almost distasteful. Yes. And weird to sh- to show to a kid, and that freaked me out so bad. Me too. I hadn't thought about that, but I know exactly what you're talking about, and I just know I hated that part. Yeah, like I didn't want to watch that part when it came. No, on. it was very uncomfortable. It was scary. It was. It was like. Yeah, it's super it like, scary. It like hurt to see it because mm-hmm. I could almost relate to the feeling of being hit on the head. Oh Before, yeah, it's like sad. It's sad. It's it's horrendously sad. And also the idea that you can take damage to mm-hmm. your brain and it changes the way you are is very I know. frightening. I know we've talked about this on the show before. You yeah. and I both don't like this in movies. We didn't like it when Anthony Anderson in Scream 4 all of a sudden starts acting weird because he got stabbed in the head. Yeah. Um I don't like any sort of like neurological weird out from no an injury i I, I find it like so uncomfortable like makes me want to jump out of my skin it like hurts my soul yeah i don't like it um there is to offset all of this uh uh, horrible stuff from into the woods which is a great show yeah didn't quite enjoy the movie but uh the the we had that show on laserdisc and watched it so many times and loved it yeah one of the a great inspirational moment of horror is that they're arguing to because the giant's got to take someone the Mm -hmm. giant for losing her husband, she says she's going to kill somebody. And she wants to take Jack. Jack is really the one that's responsible. But so they're they're insisting, no, 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 take someone else. And she eventually takes the narrator. Yes. Of the show. So who, cool. There's this old man who is like uh, introducing all of the characters. He's a meta character. He's not part of the story. He's like the man that's standing off to the side of the stage just in like a suit. He He, says once upon a time. Once upon a time. You know what I mean? He sets it up. He sets it all up. He's not a character. But then they go, him? Yeah, what about him? And all of a sudden, he is a character in the show. And that breaking of that wall, like, stunned me. It was like, truly, for young me, it was like a barrier literally being shattered where anything could happen now. And especially now, like, that the narrator gets picked up and and thrown and dropped Mm -hmm. and killed. Now there's nobody to tell the story. So that what happens blew from here? My mind. And that's the finale of the first act. Is you that, go it into happens the that second, early? I think so. I think you go into the second act. Oh, like wow. I, I think it's maybe not the first act. I know acts are broken up more. Sure. But sure. I think that's before intermission. Oh, I, I couldn't believe it. And then you go back into it and they're just on their own. You're yeah. you're not once upon a time yet. I know that blew my mind. Into the Woods was a very formative entertainment experience for me evidently evidently i may i gotta rewind i don't know the last time that i would have seen that um, me neither not for a long time what do they do in the movie there's not a narrator there's guy, not right? there's just not a narrator they just don't do that moment no that's like I the best think, no. moment <laughs> i know i know into the woods is one of those movies where um it won some awards and stuff because it feels like it should have yeah but i think pretty much everybody agrees that it was not great right james corden's in it yeah. Yep. The other great musical that he's in on top of Cats. Well, William, that's part two of the New York saga. Oh. Of. <laughs> let me let you talk, though. Oh, for... I just did some talking. I... Let's stay in the New York saga. Okay. Well, the New York saga is also, I went to see Cats when I was a kid. And although I did not enjoy it exactly, I think I kind of enjoyed it. It's freaky. And if I enjoyed anything, it was the creepiness of it. Yeah. It's dark. There are some songs that are kind of scary. It has like this weird old piano sound song that's very like one note at a time tinkling away while the cats are kind of whisper singing going across the stage. I know I liked that part. They drone on at one point as well. Where there, there's like a moment in the beginning where all the cats just huddle into one spot on the stage together and they're like... The clock is ticking. Cats all have three names. Like they drone. You oh, know? it's that song. Oh, it's that? 
Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Very in the background, it's eerie. just like this creepy, like barely music sort of thing. Yeah. It's that. Yeah, and I remember I really enjoyed that. Um, and when we went to see it, <laughs> this isn't part of what scared me or anything, but when we went to see it, um, it was mom and my friend's mom uh, brought the two of us to see it. And the friend's mom was kind of like a brassy gal. And we went to like a matinee and she saw that nobody had taken the box seats that were available. So she went to an usher and was like, hey, nobody has those seats. Can uh, my girls like go sit up there? And they're like, yeah, sure. So me and Serena went up there. Alone? And yeah, I, th- I think that there were only, eh, you know what? I'm not hundred percent sure about this. I'm not sure. The feeling of being a kid and happened. being a- away from your parents is a very distinct feeling. I know. Why do I even think that if not if it's not true? I Maybe, think it's true. Yeah, I guess it's I th- true. I think it is. Um, so yeah, so I think we just went and sat there. Maybe they just saw that there were two seats available. Yeah. And um, and yeah, like <laughs> there were like cat people slinking around on the box seats in front of us, uh, like looking at us and like licking <laughs> stuff. I didn't like that. That's not a movies that made us moment. I was like, oh god, that's a fourth so wall break. <laughs> Oh, it certainly I'm is. away from my mommy and I'm not safe. <laughs> no, people I've... can get to me. No, the Winter Garden Theater is not a safe place for me. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I I I found cats very creepy and I kind of enjoyed it. I know that I would also pop that on, on PBS. I uh, yeah, I remember cats through you. I remember you telling yeah. me the story of them crawling up to your box or whatever mm-hmm. and then parroting it to my friends as like how weird is this where <laughs> was, was i so by the way why, why wasn't i allowed to go to into the woods and cats well into the woods i think you were like three so what? it was a stretch that they brought me to into the woods i seriously don't think there were any other kids there i could have seen that guy pee i could have yeah. figured out that i could have been doing it the whole time i didn't know until this so cool. day that i could have been doing that <laughs> i know i'm glad that i brought it back up and then it was like me and my friend and our moms who yeah. went. Okay. So, yeah, I guess. Cats is a weird one. I, I I also remember you had a, did you have a poster of Cats? I or don't did... think so. No? But like not impossible, I guess. I wasn't like super into Cats. Okay. Um, I, guess, I guess if it was like on, because seriously, PBS used to constantly just run um, televised productions of Broadway shows. I guess if if it was on, I would watch it. But I don't remember being like I don't remember like loving cats. But I do remember being kind of interested in it, and I was kind of interested because I found it freaky. What a what a pop culture fluke it is that Cats is like one of the longest running oh. Broadway shows and one of the most beloved. Th- it's people act it's like so the weird. people act like the new movie is like horrible and ridiculous. The the show, the Broadway show, is really ridiculous and insane. And yet, people saw it like fifty times. I know it was like a thing. Like before going to see Titanic a million times in the theater was a yeah. thing. Like it was a badge of honor to have seen Cats a whole bunch of times. Exactly. There are a bunch of shows like that, though. I guess a lot of classic New York shows are that way because I think people are also that way with the Phantom of the Opera and maybe Les Mis. Yeah, true. Les Mis Rob. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I guess that's all right. Um, also, I went to go see Les Mis Rob with our two sisters when I was a kid. I got oh. a brand new outfit to go in the city with my two sisters, like a big girl. That's exciting. And the tights I was wearing scooched down so much when I was walking uh, and I was too embarrassed to tell them. And then I finally had to, and they had to create a human shield around me while they helped me scooch up my tights. Oh, well, that's nice of them. On the street. I would have just left you. It was scarring. You'd be gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I, I wouldn't know you anymore. <laughs> Act three. Oh. Of the New York Tales. Yes. Very short. Very short story. Very short. <laughs> what character is that? <laughs> I like it, but I don't know what the hell that is. Very short. Very short story. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, the Jekyll and Hyde restaurant. Oh, my God. Yeah. So cool. So fun. So it's still there, I believe. There's a Jekyll and Hyde themed restaurant in New York City. William and I went there with our family, actually also our sisters and their kids. And it's I it's a little bit of a slip in. It's not really like a formative thing, but it's it was very cool. It I was, was super cool. Thrilled. It was a novelty thing. But yep. uh it was also, you know, I didn't go to Disneyland until I was in my twenties. Oh yeah. So Jekyll and Hyde really gave mm-hmm. me a taste of Haunted Mansion to a certain extent. Yes. They definitely you go you into in, yep. Yeah, they cluster you in, into an entryway and then threaten you that the walls are going to press in maybe yes i think so and you have to escape 
through this passage, which leads into the restaurant proper, which is the, then when I went to the haunted mansion, I was like, this is the same. Who it's ripped like off who? Jekyll and Hyde restaurant. Some, who, yeah. It's like, this place is like <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde restaurant, except they can't get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. This place is the same thing as the Jekyll and Hyde place, except I can't get myself a Shirley temple with two cherries. So which is better? I think I vaguely remember that somebody had to get a new meal because they didn't like it. Like, I feel like Audrey ordered, like, fettuccine Alfredo, and it wasn't good, so they had to get something else. Sounds about right. The, the point is not yes. the food. No, 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 no. I think I went there for a birthday. I, I certainly went there at least twice. I only went there that one time. Really? I would I, love to go again. I loved it. There was a there's a gargoyle that can talk on the wall. Mm-hmm. It's like a gargoyle puppet. And so it can call out people in the room like a bad comedy club. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, sidebar when Allie and I started dating. Um, it was right around my birthday. And Kristen got us uh, sent had an envelope for me that said, do not open or open at this address. So yes. we had to drive to the address and then we could open the envelope. And it was two tickets to a comedy club in New Brunswick called the Stress Factory. And it was tickets to see Tom Arnold. So and I told them to dress formally. Exactly. That's the real wrinkle is that Kristen said, you're going to want to dress up. The one thing I'll tell you about where you're going is you're going to want to be dressed up. You're going to be embarrassed if you're not dressed up. So I like wore a suit. Allie put on like a really nice dress. We'd been friends for years, but now we're dating, so we, like, there's like a weird energy, whatever. And then we're in the car, and I'm like, what is this going to be? And I open it. I saw tickets to see Tom Arnold. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. I started laughing because I, I knew you got me. So here I am in a suit to see Tom Arnold, who was distinctly not dressed up. I saw most of his ass that night. But they, um, we walked into the stress factor, and the only place to seat us was right next to the stage. And before the show starts, somebody runs a camera at the Stress Factory zooming in on people. So uh, they'll, like, zoom in on uh, somebody sitting at a table alone. And then, like, a little thing of text will pop up on the screen, like the blinking cursor, like on a Word document or something. Because somebody's going to type a joke to really get you. So on a guy sitting alone, it'll be like, he's not getting laid tonight. And then the whole room erupts in laughter. And then like, it'll zoom in on some guy at the bar and it'll say like, this is his 12th drink in the last hour. The whole room erupts again. And then they, I'm like, they're going to spot us at a certain point because we're sitting here in our formal wear. And finally the camera notices us and it pushes in and I can see the blinking cursor. And now I'm just waiting. What's the joke going to be? How are they going to get us and make everyone laugh at us? And the cursor blinked for a little too long. Like they couldn't come up with anything. And then it finally went, Dumb and dumber. And then the camera immediately moved away and no one laughed. I think so the, lame. they couldn't come up with anything. They, they, were, they had no idea what to say. And yeah. I was more offended that we didn't get a good joke. But then I was happy that I was like, oh, they're embarrassed. Like they moved the camera so yeah. fast away. They didn't want anyone to see what they had written, really. (laughs) So anyway, there's a gargoyle in Jekyll and Hyde that basically does that job of looking around at tables and announcing birthdays and stuff like that. And so I think I went on my birthday and sort of called out my name. And like it was like really cool, like a little hint of embarrassment because it's attention, you know? Right. But it's also like kind of exciting. Yeah, it's like a theme park in there. Um, Not in terms of rides, but in terms of like characters and stuff like that, which is super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, William, you have the floor. Okay. All right. Well, I'm taking it real quick. You sound weird. It went muted again. I just unmuted it. Oh, okay. And then it sounded echoey, but now you sound fine again. I don't know why. I don't know why. We're we're doing pretty well, though. We're doing pretty well. Yeah. All right. Um, So the next one that I'm going to talk to you about, Kristen, I've referenced this on various shows over the years, but never with detail. Because I couldn't remember what it was. I did a little research and I found it. I found it, Kristen. There was an audio cassette that we had. I think it probably had been yours at some point. I used to take this audio cassette, pop it into a cassette player, and go into the laundry room at our house in Reading, Connecticut with the lights off where we used to do Bloody Mary. Yeah. And I would play this audio cassette. Because it had scary music and it would freak me out and I would deliberately put myself in an environment where I could feel that like chill, that like little freaky scare. Yeah. All I knew about it for a few years was that it was a Burton Ernie <laughs> cassette. Yeah. Remember, I was 10 or younger. 
I figured it out, Kristen. It is a cassette called Sesame Street, Scared of the Dark. And people have copied it and put it on YouTube. And I have re-listened to it. And it was like scratching an itch in my brain that I, I didn't know I had for this That's- long. Awesome. You're going to have to send me that. Yes, absolutely. You've got to listen to it. It starts out with just like fun, spooky music, just like almost like um, stock spooky mm-hmm. music, like ooh, type things. Yeah. Uh, but but really fun. Definitely kind of creepy. The bulk of the book is as follows. Bert and Ernie saw a scary movie. Now they're going home. Bert was not afraid of the film. Ernie was. And while they're trying to fall asleep, Ernie keeps thinking that he sees uh, a monster and waking up Bert. And then Bert goes, Ernie, that's not a monster. And then turns on the light. And what Ernie thought he saw as a monster is really a coat rack covered in coats. And there's a light behind it. So it was casting a light to look scary. Yeah. It's that several times repeating. To the end of the book. There are no monsters. It's all things. It's all shadows that Ernie is seeing. Uh So that's what I heard and what I kept making myself listen to. Turns out that it is a book and a tape together. Ah, It's it's one of those things where like you listen to the tape and every time it goes ding, you're supposed to turn the page. So I looked up the book and I looked up some of the images and 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 some of the text and everything, and it is very nostalgic for me. Sesame Street, Scared of the Dark, um, uh-huh. but it uh it struck me in engaging with some of it even now, at thirty four in the year twenty twenty, it struck me that some of this language was a little intense for kids. Um, and truthfully, I found the book on Goodreads, and I'm going to read you this review from Jessica, who gave it two stars. Okay. My two-year-old loves this book, but I hate it. She found this book in a pile of books I had growing up and has decided it is a favorite. She is not currently scared of the dark, and I worry this book will give her new fears. I actually don't read most of the text, but instead make up my own narrative and skip over the page with the picture of the snake and other scary things as quickly as she will let me. This may be a good book for children who already have many of the fears listed. Here's some of the stuff that uh, they talk about at the beginning of the the book. And uh, granted, I, I mostly listen to the audiobook for this, which is it's Bert and Ernie. So it's Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Right. Two like storied creators and performers. Frank Oz, the voice of Yoda and Miss Piggy. It's the real two original guys which i find kind of appealing like being into audio and performance and stuff I yeah love like they the did it and they didn't just have a sound to like doing it, it. exactly it's great but so at the yeah. beginning of the the book they're they're talking about having just seen the scary movie and bert is excited about having seen a scary movie together and he goes ernie wasn't it scary when the ghosties invaded the bedroom and grabbed the boy and flew him out into the night just like simple language Best? Simple yeah. language, but really scary. The whole thing is about yes. ghosties. It's all about ghosties. And ghosties, I like that. Ernie continually being afraid and being like, oh, Bert, I, I see a ghostie. Ernie. That's a really good Ernie voice. Thank you very much. Holy moly. I also do a pretty good Kermit the Frog. You which, do. Which is you the do. same as Ernie. Yes. I correct. believe in you. Aww. I love the Muppets. <laughs> I do too. Um, but yeah, uh, Sesame Street, Scared of the Dark, strongly recommend. I, I think that you can hear it. It's it's a book for children. You know? mm-hmm. right. I, I think that uh, um, you can listen to it and hear why it would have been a go-to for me, though. Um, not that it's yeah. important for you all to, to see, like, well, I guess the point is we're talking about the things that like infected our minds, but like it feels uh, uh, somewhat self-aggrandizing to be like, listen to it to hear what entranced me. But I do think that you can hear this children's story and pick up mm-hmm. on the fun, spooky vibes that it oh, yeah. produced in a kid and why I kept trying to chase it and track it down. And I, I finally found the whole damn thing. Oh, uh, man, I'm going to have to. I, I remember this vaguely. Yeah. I don't remember it super well, so I'm excited to go look at all that. Yeah. Like, especially when you said that there was a companion book. 
Yeah. I, I feel like I remember There's a book and that. a tape together. They did this a, a few times, I think. Yeah. Um, here's, here's part of a review from Melissa who gave it one star. I don't care what age kid reads this. It's too much. This story has several super scary scenarios and only one happy thought of being at a beach. Rest assured, you will freak your kid out if you make this a bedtime story. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rest assured, you will freak your kid out. You will freak your kid out. I, I, and I, they're not, they're not wrong. It didn't scare me in a bad way. It scared yeah, me right. in a really like enjoyable. fun way. But like, it is weird to think of like the intensity of like when the ghosties grabbed the boy and flew him out into the night. Like, that's it's, a lot. That's giving that's kids scary. a scenario of something that can happen. Something can come through your window and carry you away. You, I wouldn't read that to a kid. Did you ever think of that before, kid? Go to sleep now. Yeah, right. You ever think right. that someone could just come through your window, grab you, and take you away? All right, see you in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's not real, though. It's okay. But I'm I'm just planting the idea. Yeah, I just want you to know. <laughs> I just want I, you to know that that's something people have said before. I would not read that to your daughter. No. I, again, this is – I'm, that's like, very curious to see when, where, whatever, a lot of these things – um, right. Come up if they make it into your rotation. Exactly. I think you'd have to probably, probably forcibly put that one into your rotation. Probably this one I think is definitely lost to time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. William, I have one more thing. Oh, okay. And it is for sure lost to time. Yeah. Yes. It is the TV show today's special. <gasps> oh. This you know what I'm talking one. about? Oh yes, I do. Oh, my God. So this was a kid's show that was set in a department store that when it closed down for the night, the mannequins and like other things in the store came to life. There was dry puppetry, but I would say it was a little bit disturbing, the dry puppetry. Um, and the premise. OK, let me just you know, what? I'm just going to read you the description uh, from Wikipedia. Yeah. Of. The main character, Jeff. I think even just from just reading about the or hearing about the main character, you're going to be like, this is weird. I can see how a kid by, would be weirded out by this. So Jeff is a mannequin with a magic hat that makes him come to, come to life when someone says, Hocus Pocus Alamogokus. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, I, vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. If it comes off his head, he turns back into a mannequin. I remember that being scary. So do I. When all of a sudden this dude would just freeze. He can't leave the store or he will become one permanently. Oh. He can only go outside onto the building's roof or in very rare episodes when traveling by magic. Because he has not been alive for very long, he knows little about many everyday objects, at least in earlier seasons. However, he is often shown to be a fast learner, a deep thinker, and a source of ideas. He's also a very talented dancer, which he at some point demonstrates in nearly every episode. Then back to the scary. Though he wishes that he was not bound by the rules of the spell that keeps him alive, he puts his friend's needs first. I sure wish that the, the rules that govern my life force weren't right. so constraining. But what do you need? What the hell? I hate that if I leave this building, I will die. But... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I'm need, happy to help you. Do you need help learning colors and shapes or something? Yeah, right. <laughs> Can I give you a hand with that? <laughs> it was a very strange show. There was also like, um, so there was this puppet man, when I talk about the dry puppetry, who was the store security guard who was like watching all this go down on a computer in the back room. And he was like some sort of idiot. He was like always spilling things on his computer and then getting like mad. Yeah, yeah. And upset. Um, he is also, according to Wikipedia, um, a retired sailor and a veteran of the Boer Wars. What? And his signature song is Singing Yo Hee Ho. He's a widower <laughs> and also has a pet cat named Penelope that Muffy, who is a mouse, is afraid of. Like, why do we know all this in a children's show? Why do we need the 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 puppet man to have a dead wife? <laughs> He's a veteran? He was in a war. With a yeah, he was in a war, and his wife is dead. I just looked. Why it up. do we know this? I just looked it up, and it says he's a generally laid back individual. As the years have worn him down, 
it also said he often fails to notice or realize certain things around him at first, though when he does, he is known to get hysterical about it. Oh, he's barely so hanging like on. Freak out. This guy's hanging on by a thread. He will freak out. And he's a puppet, so he's flailing around. And I was like, but also in a show that's all about the differentiation between humans and mannequins. Is it weird for the store security guard to be a puppet? Yeah, it complain. It completely is weird. Does it imply that he is changes everything through transformation? Yeah, it implies something that I don't understand. Is he losing his humanity and and gradually becoming less than human? Maybe. Maybe that's Maybe. why he freaks out when things go wrong because he's barely holding on. He knows right. that there are these two mannequins downstairs that can become human, but temporarily, like him. Uh, right. Maybe he's afraid of it happening to them the way it happened to him. Right. It's bring every incident is bringing him further and further away from a conventional real life. I don't know how the hell this thing got on TV. I remember watching this show, <laughs> and the Puppet Man. I'm gonna. I'm going to attempt to describe. What the puppet man looks like. Please. They gave, he's supposed to look elderly. He's yeah. got a big bristly mustache, long bristly hair. I remember when I was a child, I described it as looking like it was made out of French fries. And oh I'm, my God, William, that's right. You did say that. I am 100% correct. It looks like there are a bunch of McDonald's French fries peeking out from under this guy's hat as hair. Um, yep. He's got a big puppet bulbous nose and his eyes, his eyes, Kristen. <laughs> They are, and they're meant to imply wrinkling, puffy eyes. I know. So that the actual eyes that he has have been reduced to mere slits, which are black as night. Right, Presumably, the devil's eyes. Yeah, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Dr. Loomis would be freaked out by this man. Yes. Anyone would be. But the, the, I guess the idea is that I can't tell, is he 100% puppet or is there a performer in a mask? What's what's happening? What am I looking at? Oh. I'm not sure. I can't tell what I'm looking at, and that's a problem. The, the yeah, whole that is show, a problem. The whole show is about mannequins that can become human and are at risk to become mannequins again permanently. And one of the other main characters on the show is a, a not quite inhuman thing. He's inhuman. He's and then inhuman. also, you know what also raises questions? That the store security system is personified. The thing that sa- that the guy operates, yeah, um, it appears to have a feminine persona, despite being a machine. It is suggested that it is capable of human emotions. What is wrong? Maybe with that's show? the final stop. Oh, like you eventually just become like right. a yes. sentient object, computer. Right. You're not. You're not human. You can still have mm-hmm. human, like a, a voice. But yeah. you're not alive. You're not living Correct. at all. I uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, this it, it, this show is like a psychotic. It's yeah. like a psychotic's playground. You know, yes. <laughs> like, there, it's I bet. Insane. I bet there there are probably a million kid shows that we don't even know about that are I'm similarly sure. like you know on the face of it, you might call this show contrived, but that doesn't do it justice because it, it it really plays like a sick psychological mm-hmm. madness kind of idea it's like a, a it's like a a nightmare idea turned into a show uh, yes th- this is very weird Kristen when I was a kid I had a recurring nightmare that uh I would have my friends at school we were all kids I would take the bus mm-hmm. home and then you know maybe mom and dad we'd go to the mall or something like that to go shopping and all my same friends from school were the adults at the mall after school, oh. in their private lives, they were all grown-ups, but I was still just a kid. Oh, wow. And I think that that was a real psychological – it's true. I had that nightmare yeah. a lot. And it, and it huh. in the dream, I always it always came coupled with a sense of em- embarrassment, guilt, shame for not being a working oh. adult like all the other kids. I've heard you kids. talk about this before. Yeah, it's very true. And uh, I feel like uh, uh, I can sense a similar nightmare, a similar mm. stress dream – about yeah. impending doom and unavoidable fate if you don't follow the rules in right. today's special. You can yes. be a real boy, but only if for you're wearing time. the hat. If you wear the if you wear the hat and you don't go outside, never leave mm-hmm. this house, Jeremy. Right. You know, like isn't that it's it's sick. Yeah, it is sick. It's a sicko show. Looks like it ran for seven seasons, 121 episodes. God. 121 sick 
sadistic yeah. episodes. <laughs> so that's that's what I got. That's the last thing that really formed me. All right, I'm gonna tell you one more. I'm gonna tell you one more, and it's it's so slight. It's like a half baked memory. So we're truly don't get too amped, everybody, because we're like five seconds away from gone. I saw something on TV. I saw something on television once when I was but a boy. I have wondered about it forever. And I occasionally over the years would try to Google just some of the things that I remembered to see if I could find it again. And I, I never really could until now. I've, yeah. I've, I've found it. I saw a movie on television. I don't know if it was a TV movie. I don't know what the hell this thing was. A bunch of friends are driving around in a car. They crash. I think they crash at a graveyard. Um, since they can't drive away or anything, they have to wait maybe for day to come to, to check on the car or they're waiting for somebody to come repair the car. I, I'm not sure, but they're stuck. And so they spend their time sitting around in this graveyard, telling each other scary stories. And all of that that I just described to you is really the setup for an anthology story movie. So that every time that we somebody tells a story, we see that story dramatized. Just like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like the kids in uh, the Midnight yeah. Society telling the next tale and we see it happen. But the rub and the thing that, that hooked me forever is that at the end of the movie, they uh, uh, the, one of the girls that's with them has a ribbon tied around her neck. And they untie it and her head falls off. And yeah. the kids that were part of the framing device from for the movie are in a story themselves. They are with a ghost or they've been dead the whole time or something like that. It's not supposed to be the case because they're the framing device. And even at 10, 11 years old I, watching this movie, I knew, well, they're not part of the stories. They're just kids that crashed their car. And now they're sitting around telling stories. They're not part of the stories. And then when one of their heads fell off because she had a, a, a ribbon tied around her neck, it freaked me out because now the framing device was part of the horror. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? What the hell is this? It's a movie called Campfire Tales. It stars Amy Smart, Ron Livingston, and Christine oh. Taylor. Evidently, James Marsden's in it as well. It came out oh. in 1997. And I, uh, uh, I've never, ever heard anyone talk about this. Ever, ever, ever. It was made by New Line. And uh, I... Let's... I think I have heard of this, but maybe I just think I've heard of it. Like the name rings a bell. Okay. It was it was very briefly um, uh, released in theaters. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it's there was like a, I don't know, just like a short screening or, or whatever. Um, but then I think it was just put onto television. And it... Really? Oh, here. this is interesting. I actually had not read this until just now. I swear to God. Promotional material from 1998 compared Campfire Tales to the Scream series, and I know what you did last summer, despite the yeah. fact that the film itself had been conceived prior to either. Um, huh. I swear to God, I didn't even read that uh, before uh, this yeah. moment. Um, it's got primarily bad reviews, uh, okay. but that's not the point. The point is, I saw it on TV... And it freaked me out. And the image of kids in a graveyard with a broken down car and a girl that's supposed to be their friend was secretly a ghost or dead the whole time and her head falls yeah. off really messed with me <laughs> and became one of those lingering memories that still periodically just crops up as an adult. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really know how memory works, but the idea that these things that we've seen can periodically just go, hey, remember Pop that? It. Yeah. Do you remember seeing X? Do you remember seeing Absolutely. Remember seeing the uh the the giantess fall and into the woods and she was made out of straw and it looked weird? Yeah. Think about that for a minute. You know, like <laughs> your brain just convinces you to revisit a memory periodically. I know. This is your brain on horror. Mm, that's a mm. better worse title for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go, everybody. Some of the uh, uh, some of the horror that made us yes. uh, who well, we are. Psy I would argue many of the things here speak to psychological damage, not just <laughs> yeah, right. Like not just like fun, weird things, but like the things that prey on your mind and won't leave it. 
Yes, correct. And also being scared of something and like disturbed by it and yet running toward it. Yes, 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 yes. Somewhat yeah. irrational attraction to things that alarm us. Mm-hmm. Right. From a very young age. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. As children, young children. <laughs> young, impressionable children. That's what That's we were right. up to, everybody. Presumably, you all had your own. I, I I'm think sure. I, I would love to do something similar. Uh, uh, to this someday, maybe expand the list or something. I'm sure oh, yeah. there. Are, I'm sure I have there. Are, more. Yeah, there's definitely uh, uh, nightmares that we can drudge up. I'm sure yeah. of it. Yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. All right, everybody. So, by all means, you know what? You guys should, um, if you're not already in it, join our Facebook group, the Guides the Unknown Facebook Secret Society, um, and throw some of your own like <laughs> movies that made you <laughs> horror things in there. Yeah. It's fun to talk about. It's super fun to talk about. And I loved even like the, the Sesame street book on tape thing, reading a review from somebody that's like, this will scare your children. Yeah. Do not let them. And yet I, I engaged with it as a child. You know, oh, yeah, and now like it's a warning bully. piece. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like kind of fun, but yeah, do that. Also hit up gttupod.com to get all things guide to the unknown. Um, you can find every previous episode. We've got hundreds um, you can go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod to get more than that. Even yes. Every month we release an exclusive show just for people who back us on the netherworld warrior level, starting at $4 a month. So, uh, if you've come this far, why not go the rest of the way? Patreon.com slash GTTU pod. There's even a, an exclusive discord there so that you can mm-hmm. chat with other people behind the scenes. Yeah, and there's a server that's just about Guides to Unknown episodes, so I'm sure people are going to be trading their memories in there, so it should be pretty cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. You can also follow us online. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. And I am at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us and taking a trip into the the murky memories mm. that we have of things that scared the hell out of us as children and still plague our minds to this day. Um, We'll definitely see you next time for more spooky madness. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Kombucha. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely love to do more of this. Yeah, totally. That was awesome. I would love to do more of this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.